Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. This book is called Pandemonium, Power, Politics and Ireland's Pandemic by Jack Horgan Jones and Hugh O'Connell. Jack is the Irish Times, Hugh with the Sunday Independent and the Irish Independent. They both join me now. Jack, I'll start with you because I believe you you may need to drop off a call shortly and, and that's fine. But what I want to congratulate you both on, guys, is the level of access that you got to the key players here. I couldn't believe it as I was reading through the book, just how how deeply embedded you were able to get with the whole thing. Good morning to you. Good morning to you, PJ. Jack, how did you manage to get people to, to trust you so much writing this book? Uh, well, I suppose it's a combination of a couple of things. And you're right, we did have access to, I mean, basically all the key decision makers on all three sides as we see it of this story you know there's the there's the government the coalition and the hse and then and then the the guys in nefesh were all very generous and forthcoming with their time and i think that's that's a product of a couple of things on the on the one hand covid and covering covid had really become uh, our stock and trade for uh, over a year before we even sat down to start writing this book it was the only story in town it was on the front page of every newspaper it led every every radio bulletin so we were already deeply entrenched in these worlds and had built up you know contact networks across these these three camps including in, in the political world where, where we were both already operating um, and then I think there's another thing to it as well it's it's a little bit different when you come to write a book you know people people are eager to engage and people are eager to put their own stamp on it because they know that you know it's 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 the definitive version it's the one that's going to live on through history so they're they're willing to open up and they're willing to kind of you know I think be honest and frank and there's certainly a lot of honest and frank discussion of COVID in the book because they know that it's it's going to it's it's something that's going to be there for the the test of time you know mm. you get us an insight into the the, the key personalities say the tony holohans the the paul reeds the the, the stephen donnelly's and the others you, you get inside under their personalities and it's very clear they weren't no, no matter what they were presenting to us day to day in terms of bulletins and in terms of press conferences and statements they didn't always get along I think that's true, um, and I think that it, in in some ways it's unsurprising because if you take a step back from this, COVID was the most remarkable thing that certainly happened in our professional lives, and and I think it'll probably be, at least I hope it is, the the biggest story that we'll ever cover. You know, this was this was the entire country shut down for the guts of two years. You know, at no stage between 
March of 2020 and February of 2022 were there was there a period without some form of public health restrictions in place and we had three extraordinarily long and tough lockdowns as well which made us a bit of an outlier in Europe in terms of just how stringent those public health restrictions were so I think given the fact that you know society was being asked to act in the way it was it's 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 perhaps not unsurprising that you know there were tensions between those camps you know on the one hand the public health advisors who were saying shut it down on the other hand the government saying you know do we really have to go this far there are other there are other countries adopting a, di- a different approach and while in real time they would have emphasized that everyone was on the same page and pulled on the green jersey i think what the what the book shows and what we tried to depict is that behind the scenes things weren't always uh, without without speed bumps and things and that and there were very ugly meetings relations did um pitch to very low points and there was a lack of trust really that built up across the entire pandemic and um, the roots for that are are, are complex but really there, there's one explanation for it and um that is that nefet a non-elected body became the kind of preeminent organization for setting and, de- and determining pandemic policy in a way that the government gradually began to feel usurped its own democratic power Mm. Hugh, I'll bring you in this point. What I found a particularly fascinating period to read about was from, say, October 2021, right through October 2020, right through to January of, of 2021, where you had open conflict. It wasn't even concealed. You'd open conflict between Neffet and, say, the likes of Leo Varadkar and, and, and the total carnage that emerged over Christmas and, and the New Year. That left everybody scared on all sides, didn't it? Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, look, we, we were obviously, I think everyone knew that, that uh, you know, the government had uh, rejected NEFID advice in October 2020, in early October 2020, and that created somewhat of a schism. It was the first time, really, that the government had rejected the public health advice to lock down for uh, four weeks. And the result of that, really, and the way in which that advice was conveyed to governments over that, uh, or that, that first weekend in October of 2020, did really serve to... Um, uh, d- damaged the relationship between government and its public health advisors because the government felt that Tony Holland had come back from compassionate leave, had uh, uh, you know convened this emergency NEFIT meeting, the advice from NEFIT leaked, and there was a feeling that the government was kind of being bounced into locking down the country with no prior warning and no sense really that this was coming given that NEFIT had met a few days earlier without Holohan and decided to leave the country at level two. And so what you get really is this really ugly meeting on Monday the 5th of October, which we go into in great detail in the book where mm. things are said about Nefif that the, the, the Nefif people in the room aren't too happy about and then you get Liv Radker going on the Claire Byrne show yeah. that evening and, and uh, making this quite pointed uh, remark which he later expressed some regret for in fact he does in the book um, that you know no one who was uh, making the decisions on Nefit or making the recommendations on Nefit would have to uh, go on the pandemic unemployment payment for example because they were all public servants or working mm-hmm. for public bodies and that obviously neglected the fact that many people on Nefit and we, we go into this in, in the book as well you know they, they have family members yes. who were going to be affected by the lockdown so they, they knew full well what the impact of, of lockdown would be so nonetheless look this happens uh and then within days, Leo Radker is almost has buyer's remorse, really, that, um, you know, given the deteriorating situation with the disease, he writes a piece in, in my own paper, The Sunday Independent, where he talks about the need perhaps for a circuit breaker lockdown. And then within about 10, 10 14 days of that, the government does lock down for, for uh, six weeks uh, in the run up to Christmas. But really, you know, that is done as a kind of a bargain whereby, you know, we lock down for six weeks. That means that we can open up over Christmas. And obviously, you know, the, the COVID doesn't bargain. Yes. Um, and so we, we had a situation where 
uh, the lockdown happened, but there was very much a view that the, the, the state would have to reopen over Christmas. Uh, the government pushed ahead with that. Uh, they, again, went against, I suppose, an effort advice to keep hospitality closed. They felt that they had some leeway within an effort advice mm-hmm. to open hospitality, not do as much on household visits over Christmas. They did a little bit of both. And the result really was, um, uh, you know, a carnage is the word you used yeah. there, but certainly, you know, case numbers taking off over Christmas 2020, hitting unprecedented levels. Now, of course, they hit much higher levels in, in Christmas 2021. But the results of that combined with a uh, new, uh, more infectious variant, Alpha, uh, resulted in the health system coming close to collapse in January 2021, which, again, we, we go into in the book in, in some detail, the extent to which we, that was the, the moment, really, throughout the entire two years, the, the closest we came yeah. to, to complete collapse of the health system. And you, and you covered you cover that. It's, it's very dramatic the way you, you write that, that element of it, guys. One thing, one short passage in the middle of that stopped me, and I went back and I reread it. You have a very short, just a paragraph a bit about a guy or a patient pre-ventilation and how they, what they go through. I think that's one of the most stark yeah. paragraphs. It's just a paragraph in, in, in the whole book, what they go through before, before the moment of ventilation. Another thing you cover in an awful lot of detail um, and I'm, I guess I'm asking you both as political hacks now whether whether there'll be a comeback on this. You go into extraordinary detail on the the, the nursing homes at the start of it all. Jack, do, do you think that when we when when all this is eventually over, we will have people will have questions to answer about how the nursing homes were dealt with? I do, and I think it's important that we identify the format or the forum within which those questions might be answered. And I think that the government really needs to kind of pull its socks up when it comes to, you know, sketching out how any kind of post-crisis inquiry is going to work. You know, they say that they don't want a witch hunt, which is fair enough. And I don't think anyone does want a witch hunt. But nonetheless, as we detail in the book, you know, in the first wave of COVID, uh, a thousand people, give or take, died in nursing homes. Those, those are a thousand of the most vulnerable people who live in the state. And they did so partially because I think there was an, an, a misunderstanding of the kind of crisis that COVID would cause in the country. When people looked at China and when they looked at Italy, they saw overflowing hospitals or emergency hospitals being built at very short notice in the case of China. And they kind of presumed that this would be, that ground zero for COVID in Ireland would be within the hospital system. So there was this enormous focus on clearing out people from the hospital Mm. system, repairing beds. And that led to a lot of discharges into nursing homes. And uh, the the book details, goes into some detail, uh, revealing reports and testimony from uh, senior people who believe that, you know, uh, COVID was brought into the nursing homes that way. I think that that what really uh, magnifies the stain that is the nursing homes experience, though, is the fact that it happened again within yes. less than a year. Yes. There was an, yeah. there was another thousand people, give or take. Again, these aren't precise numbers, but there was another thousand people who died in January and February uh, 2020, uh, 2021, yeah. which, of course, you know, was just on the verge of widespread inoculation and followed that quote-unquote meaningful Christmas that has become so deeply burned into everyone's consciousness. So I do think that there's questions to, to ask and be answered. I do think it's appropriate that there are, that, that a forum is identified in which that can take place. And I do think that we need to look at the relationships between things that, that happened, like that big conflagration in October, the decisions that were taken for the meaningful Christmas, and the fallout, which again 
and ground zero for that was in the nursing homes in the early part of last year. Yeah. Something that that happens frequently throughout the book, Hugh, as well, is you'll quote somebody, you'll quote an incident that occurred, and then you will say that that person speaking a year later might have said something mm-hmm. different. It's obvious that throughout the course of this, all of the main players with, with some may- exceptions, maybe, possibly the exception of Tony Hulahan, who doesn't seem to have changed his mind very often. But nearly all of the main players have, at one point, changed their mind very much about what they said. Uh, yeah, I mean, I suppose they, they have in some respects. I mean, in other respects, they haven't. I mean, you know, there is a view that the Taoiseach holds quite firmly that um, what happened over Christmas 2020 wasn't uh, as a result necessarily of government decisions. And he's very much of the view that Alpha, the Alpha variants uh, mm. drove COVID wild um, and drove case numbers wild over Christmas. And he cites, you know, for example, conversations he would have had with Angela Merkel where she's uh, pointing at the... Uh, at the graph and, and saying, look, you know, Ireland's case numbers go up and it's it's the alpha variant and it's not any decisions that the government made in respect of, of hospitality uh, over over that period. Um, but equally on the Neffet side, as you say, Tony Olin is not one to change his mind uh, on these things. And he has, holds a very firm view as regards the advice given and the, if, if the extent to which he felt government took that advice on board. I mean, I think one of the things that we, um, we explore in detail in the book that I think a lot of us would have missed at the time was the extent to which Tony was pushing for uh, level five lockdown from uh, up to you know a few days before Christmas. That's right. uh, but actually, that that full level five lockdown, the full uh, implementation of all restrictions under the level five uh, plan. Uh, did not come about until December 30th, um, which really in COVID time is the loss of several days and the uh, deterioration of the disease at much greater levels and the increase in cases to much greater levels than than might have happened uh, had the government locked down sooner. Now, of course, you know, against that is the need for people to, to see their families over Christmas and the need for people to have some sense of a, of a some semblance of a Christmas. Um, but But clearly, you know, people... Speaking at, at a year's remove, as you say, we, we, we do that a lot in the book because obviously we would have spoken to people almost a year on from when those decisions were taken. Uh, some do express regret as, as, to, as to what happens. Uh, and indeed, Neffet are of the view that, uh, and some senior people on Neffet whom we spoke with, do feel as if they perhaps didn't make the case. Some people now, not all of them, mm. do feel that, that you know, the case wasn't made strong enough to government in the run-up to that Christmas um, to kind of say, look, you cannot open hospitality, um, mm. notwithstanding the fact that they... they that officially that was the very clear advice. Let's, let's, I, just before I let you go, I want to compliment you both for one thing in particular. This could be a very turgid, heavy, hard news read, but it's not. You've managed to write the book in a very, it's a page turner, lads. It really is a page turner. How did you, how did you manage to do that from such a heavy story into <laughs> such an a, a easy readable book that I would literally take to the beach? Hugh? Yeah, I, I suppose. Uh, well, oh, Jack, you uh, I think I, <laughs> I. I suppose that I mean it helps that the two of us are kind of nerds on this stuff, and and when you're when you're a bit of a nerd and you find something exciting, you can you can maybe pick out the threads that that are genuinely exciting and try and kind of you know big them up and 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 make them interesting, make them interesting to 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 the the layperson or the non nerd as well. And then the other thing as well that I think really worked for us is we were able to to take a full look at that entire two-year expanse you know we started writing the book in summer last year we finished writing it you know just the week after Neffet was disbanded so really it's the full scope of that kind of Neffet era 
And because we were taking that that step back and that overall view, we were able to say, right, okay, even though this may have been disorientating at the time, even though it may have seemed overwhelming at the time, here are the moments that mattered. Here's what really mattered. And here's the relationships between those moments and the threads that run between them. And here's something that we hope will help people, readers, make sense of what just happened in a truly extraordinary period. Yeah. One particular element of it, Hugh, that I found most readable was the senior civil servants, the Martin Frasers of this world. Um, one individual you referred to this swears like a sailor. I won't use the name on the air. But that's the kind of element that makes the book. It's an insight into the people we never see, too, which I think is part of it. Was that deliberate, Hugh? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm happy to name that individual. It's in the book. Robert Watt uh, is, <laughs> is viewed by colleagues as someone who swears like a sailor. He's the, the Sec general of the Depar- Secretary General of the Department of Health now and was the Secretary General of the Department of Public Expenditure and Reform at the, uh, at the beginning of the pandemic. And obviously, he's a, some, someone who has come, uh, become a bit of a public figure uh, over the last few, uh, over the last couple of years, I suppose, but for, for a number of reasons, which we won't get into now. But there, you're right. I mean, there are other civil servants, I think, kind of, um, you know, Martin Fraser, the Secretary General of the Department of the Seashore, perhaps less well known, uh, but someone who is a massive influence across governments. He's the most powerful civil servant in all the land. He's just recently left that position now and he's going to become the uh, Irish ambassador to the UK later this year. Um, but he commands an, an enormous amount of respect from fellow civil servants, from politicians, from people on Netflix, from people in the HSC, because he is the man really who pulls the levers of government in such a way as to deliver um, the political priorities of government and the priori- the policy priorities and the programme for government. Uh, and at a time of, of the pandemic, I suppose, he was a, a, able to kind of effectively marshal all of the agencies of state around uh, responses that needed to happen. So, you know, take a, an example of that, the vaccine programme, he decides that, the, you know, that there needed to be some sort of overarching high-level task force to deliver a mass vaccination program that would aim to inoculate every citizen in the state, every adult citizen in the state against COVID-19. And he does that. Uh, and he calls up Brian McCraw, who becomes the chair of the vaccine task force. He says, look, I need you to pull this together. And that's what happens. And a, a successful vaccination program is delivered. The HSC plays a massive part in that. But kind of behind all of that is is the, the, the man who we refer to in the book as the unknown man because of a, a famous picture where he's right. captioned as the as, as an unknown man wearing in fact, he, he wields more power than certain members of the cabinet, as Simon Goldmead admitted to us in, in the book. So we did try and paint a picture of these these individuals who the public might not necessarily know about, but who were really important when it came to responding to COVID-19 over the last two years. Well, lads, in my head, as I came to the end of the book, I was trying to uh, draw up a cast for the television miniseries that could well <laughs> follow this. I, my congratulations to you both. It's it's a superb achievement. Uh, I've, I've read, read, read you both much. extensively in your news coverage, but to have it come together in such a readable book is, is, is great. Hugh O'Connell and Jack Horgan-Jones, the authors of Pandemonium, Power Politics and Ireland's pandemic. Courts 96 FM. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.